You have to know that I was a youth pastor for over 15 years before becoming the lead pastor. So uh, members, you voted me in. And so it's going to be young. It's going to be fun. And we're going to be dancing in this place. And uh, hey, listen, but my heart, you need to know all generations, all generations. I love this church because it is multi-generational. Just look around you. It is multi-ethnic. Just look around you. It is multicultural, all ages, all cultures. It's kind of like a piece of heaven. And so we better, we better get used to being together because we're going to spend eternity together in Jesus' name. And uh, I'm so thankful for you, First Assembly. I love this church. I love this house. And I love what God is doing in, uh, in this church. And so I just want to encourage you, when you see the young people jumping around, just feel free. Just get freer. Some of us, we got to get freer. And coffee can only do so much for you on a Sunday morning. You got you to worship and you got to get free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. And I want you to be free to be you. I want us to be free together in Jesus. And I believe that that's when we're our most anointed. That's when we're our best is when we just know who we are. We know we're loved. We know we're secure. We know we have God just working inside of us and filling us and strengthening us. Amen. Turn to somebody beside you. Just give them a big smile. Just, just look at them and give them a big smile. All right. Turn to the other person and say, I'm sorry for ignoring you the first time. <laughs> give them a big smile. <clears throat> this fall, we've been in a series, Better Together. We've been talking about how God has made us for each other. We are stronger together. We are better together. We are more anointed together. We are more on mission as we lean in together in community with each other. That's how the Lord has made us. He's made us with a heart for the outsider. He's made us with a heart to be together as we reach out to be on mission. He's made us, uh, one of the images in Scripture is like a body, that every member has its part in our body. I want you to know that you have a place in this body. If you are here today and you call First Assembly home, and this is where you've been planted, uh, the Bible talks about how we, are, we really flourish where we are planted. Get planted. And because you will flourish in that place, in that place where you are, are planted and in community. And today, we're starting five weeks in community. We'll be telling you about that a little bit more. We've been sharing over these weeks. But at the end of this service, you'll have an opportunity to, uh, to find out more about how you can lean into and step into community, uh, even in a greater way. Last Sunday was Vision Sunday, and I was able to share uh, some of the, the ways that God is leading us forward as a congregation. These are exciting days that we live in. Uh, we're stepping out in faith because God has called us to be a city-reaching church. God has called us to be on mission together as we reach this city. And so Better Together is about us moving in that, in that vision. Today, as we start our five weeks in community, we're looking over these weeks at some of the fundamental core values of our church. And today, I want us to look at the value of being a disciple of Jesus. We value discipleship at First Assembly. In our mission statement, our whole mission, as James mentioned earlier, is about belonging and believing and becoming everything God's called us to be so that we can live our lives on mission. And how we do that in our mission is we help people to belong, believe, and become influential and passionate disciples of Jesus. 
That's what we're about. That's our, that's our end game. That's what we're going for in a city. We want to see uh, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of passionate disciples raised up doing kingdom stuff. Uh, I'm not talking about tens of thousands of crowd. You know, crowds are great and they have their place, but we're not necessarily into just getting crowds or running programs. We are about seeing you and we are about seeing tens of thousands of people step in to become the disciples that Jesus has called us to be, passionate and influential. How many believe that uh, the disciples are influential? We're influential, the biblical disciples. We are here today because they were passionate. They were reaching out. They were on mission. They spread the gospel throughout their known world. And now it is our turn. It is our time to, to step into discipleship. So we're talking about better together as disciples. If you wanted to write a title down this morning, growing as a disciple of Jesus is what I want us to, to kind of um, look at this morning and kind of get our minds around this. Albert Einstein said the important thing is to never stop asking questions. To never stop asking questions. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to start, let's start where we are right now, and let's start with a question. And then I want to lead us into four questions that I believe will help frame us and frame discipleship in our lives and help us to move forward in becoming a growing disciple of Jesus. So, so here's, here's the question. What is a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? I want us to think about that for a moment. Let's start there. I know in a room like we're in this morning. There are people that have been walking with Jesus for many years, decades. There are brand new believers that may be here. But what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? If you think you have an idea, raise your hand. I'm going to come roaming on the floor here this morning. Anybody in this section, you say, what does it mean to be a disciple? Just the first thing that pops into your head, the first thing that comes into your mind, what is it? Be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus. Okay, somebody else. Somebody uh, way not in the middle of the row. Okay, right <laughs> on the end of the row. Yeah. To be a disciplined follower. To be a disciplined follower of Jesus. I like that. She might have been in the first service. All right. Anybody else on this side? First thing that just kind of pops up into your mind. Somebody on the ends here. I'm coming. Here I come. All right. Roger, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? To be a servant. To be a servant. All right. Okay, everybody just shout out what you kind of think it means to me right now. Just shout out. One, two, three. What does it mean? Imitator, servant, disciplined follower. I love that. And I think all of these things are, are important. And I think as we look at the idea of discipleship, somebody mentioned disciplined follower. And if you look at the word disciple, it, it, it actually means follower. It means learner. And the word disciple in our English language has the root word for, that we use for discipline. Now, how many people at times in your life struggle with being disciplined? I know I do. I was bragging my kids this summer. We were driving because last November I did what I called no sugar November. Do you know that last November I, I didn't have any sugar, any extra sugar for the whole month of December or no, November. That's why I was looking so trim in December. <laughs> And so I was bragging to my kids. I said, I'm going to do that again, but I'm also going to do sugar-free September. And so about, you know, a week or so into September, one of my kids caught me eating something sugary. And they said, when's that sugar-free September going to start for you? How's it going for you, Dad? And I realized I'm not as disciplined as I would like to think of myself as being. 
And I think we all feel like that. If, if it means to be a disciplined follower of Jesus, are we always that disciplined? You know, do, do we do it perfectly? I think the reality is, is none of us do this, this discipleship thing perfectly. And so I want to free you this morning. I, I want you to sit, take a deep breath. Would you just take a deep breath with me? Ready? And just relax. And I want to help you this morning. I want to help us all together to move in discipleship. Because I believe that if we understand discipleship around this idea, I believe it's going to help us to continue to move forward. Here's what it is. Uh, I want us to kind of hang these questions this morning on this idea. That discipleship is movement. From where you are right now, it's moving into the direction of following Jesus in a more passionate way, in a more committed way, in, in a more authentic way. Wherever you are right now, it's just taking your next step. It's moving with Jesus. It's moving in step with the Holy Spirit. The scripture talks about how we are to keep in step with the Spirit, walking, moving, And so wherever you are right now, I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to move. And I believe that we can measure discipleship as markers in our lives when we see it as movement. Where we get stuck is when we stop moving, when we stop following. And sometimes we get frustrated, don't we, about our lack of moving forward, maybe as quickly or as precisely or as passionately as we would want to. I think most of us in this room here today would say, well, it's important to me. I want to be a disciple of Jesus, but we get frustrated. But I want to encourage you that as long as you are moving, you don't have to do it perfectly. I told you about my first vehicle a number of weeks ago. You may have been here that Sunday, but my first car was a little Plymouth Cricket. It was mustard orange, and that was mostly because of the paint, not the rust. And it was a four-speed standard transmission. How many people have ever driven a standard before? And when you learn how to drive a standard, how many people remember learning how to drive a standard? popping the clutch, moving it forward. You're going forward. You're stopping. You're restarting. And I think that's a picture of often what discipleship feels like in our lives, where it's, it's fairly, if you're, especially if you're a new believer, but I think even along the way, uh, you never kind of get used to driving that standard. But as you walk with Jesus, as you follow him for longer amounts of time, and as you keep moving forward, the only way you can learn how to drive a standard vehicle is you get in there and you try and you keep popping the clutch, and you keep pushing the gears, and you keep figuring out the, 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 you know, the brake and the gas, and especially when you're going up hills. I mean, that's, you know, San Francisco or whatever, you know, and you're going up a hill. How do you do that? How do you, and there's, there's a rhythm, and there's movement, and you get better at it the more you move forward, the more you move forward. And so this is what Jesus calls us to. He, he asks us to, to move forward. And I think that we can beat ourselves up because we're not always moving forward. But I'm so encouraged by the biblical disciples that I find, Jesus' disciples that I find in Scripture. How many are encouraged by those guys sometimes? I mean, sometimes they say the, the stupidest things, don't they? Have you ever been reading the Bible? You're like, come on, guys. Like, it's so obvious, Right? But the reality is, is we all can identify like that because we're not always spot on. We're not always 100% engaged with what Jesus calls us to. But as long as we are moving. But here's just to encourage us. The disciples, um, 
they encouraged me because there was a time that they fought about who was the greatest. Doesn't that seem immature? There was a time that they fell asleep when Jesus asked them to pray. Have you ever done that? Some of you are going to come at five o'clock tonight and you're just going to be over on that pew and you're going to be looking really spiritual on your knees. But the reality is you'll be snoring. And that's okay as long as you're moving forward. They deserted Jesus. They ran away when he was arrested. They lost hope after the resurrection. Peter and the boys went back and said, let's go fishing again. Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. Thomas doubted him. I think we can find ourselves here. Even as the church was birthed, this whole issue of discipleship, it wasn't a perfect movement forward, but it was movement. And Paul, who wrote to the Corinthians, he encouraged them saying, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Even a church that was dealing with so many problems, immorality and fighting and backbiting and, and drunkenness and all these things, Paul says, it's okay. You're disciples. And the reality is you're not moving forward perfectly, but I need you to know you got to just keep moving because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, because the old things have passed away. And when you frame it that way, when you get your mind and your heart around it, as long as you and I are moving, then we are moving and growing as disciples of Jesus. Look, let's look at these four questions uh, really quickly this morning, because I think they will help us. And I want us to ask these questions, and I want you to ask these questions personally in your life. And I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to speak to each one of us. The first one is, am I moving towards God? Ask yourself, am I moving towards God this morning? Because if you were moving towards God, then you are moving towards being a more passionate and influential disciple. And most of you are here this morning and say, well, it's obvious. I came to church and that was, for me, that was a movement. And I want to say that's amazing. That's awesome. But I want to encourage you this morning that there may be things that God is speaking to you about. There may be areas, there may be things in your life where God is saying, I want you to move closer. I want you to move closer to me in relationship with me. I want you to take new steps of faith in your life. I don't want you to stay the same. I don't want you to stay where you are. The Bible says in James that as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And some of you this morning, we're waiting for a move of God, but it could be that God is waiting for you to make a move. Because as you make a move, then God moves to you. As you move towards him, the Bible says, the promise is that his spirit then moves towards you, rushes towards you, and then you're strengthened. Jesus, when he was walking one day and he called his first disciples, he said, guys, come and and follow me. They had to make a move from where they were. They, they had to leave their, their boat behind. They had to leave their nets and they had to follow him. And Jesus' invitation for us to follow him, it's an invitation of life. It's an invitation of freedom. In John 7, when Jesus got up on that, that pinnacle day of the festival of tabernacles, he got up and said, hey, if you're thirsty, come. Come to me. I'm the water that, you, that you're looking for. If you're thirsty, come and drink. And out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It was an invitation to, to refreshment. It was an invitation to receive his spirit in your life, to, to have a, f- a fuller relationship. Are you moving towards God today? Part of moving towards God is also the decision that you're not moving towards other things in your life that are distractions. It's, it's actually taking Jesus at his call to be a disciple. 
Jesus said in Luke 14, one day, I love it in the message paraphrase, I'll read it here. One day when a large group of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Anyone who shoulders his own cross and follows behind me, anyone who who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me, can't be my disciple. Jesus' call was, as you move towards me, it's, it's about moving towards me, but it's also choosing to move towards me as the priority in your life. So my question is, is Jesus the top priority in your life? And if not, how could he be? And if he's not right now, what steps could you take to move closer to him this morning? What is it that God would be speaking to you about? And how could you move towards becoming a more passionate and influential disciple as you move towards God? Do not love the world, First John says, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. In other words, we wrestle with all these things, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of our eyes, the pride of life. These things are always there as shiny objects that distract us from prioritizing moving towards God in our lives. Jesus told a parable of, of, of the, the seeds that were scattered on the different kinds of soil. And on the different soils, some of the soil was, there was one soil that was hard. There was others that weeds grew up and the cares of this life choked it out. There, there, was, there was only some soil that was good soil that that received the seed. And so in our lives, as we move towards God, as we move in discipleship, Jesus calls us to an invitation of full life, but also an invitation of full surrender to him. And as we surrender to him, the more we are moving in discipleship. It's less about what you and I know. It's not just about learning things in our minds. It's not just discipleship is not a course or a class or a program or a process. Discipleship is us coming around this idea of, am I moving closer to Jesus? Am I moving towards him? And if you're moving towards Jesus today, it's a call again for him saying, what is it that you need to surrender? What is it that you need to lay down? Because he wants to give you life. And as you surrender, you will find, you will find so much life in him. The second question I want us to consider is, am I moving towards mission? Because being a disciple is all about us getting around God's heart. His heart is the lost. His heart is that none should perish in our city. Our red hot why as a church is that, that none should perish, that all should come to repentance in our city. That that's, that's what we are about. We are about the harvest. We are about lost souls. May it never be that First Assembly is just about us and our little gang and what we do inside these walls. But may it always be that we are about reaching people, loving all people to Jesus, reaching them for Christ, reaching them with the good news, with the gospel. And mission moves us towards discipleship. Are you moving towards mission in your life. You say, well, what might that look like? Well, there's a number of ways that we can move towards mission, but I know that Jesus, when he first called his disciples, he called them to join him in in the mission. He called them, as I mentioned, walking by the sea. He said, he called out, he said, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. In other words, these guys, they were fishermen. They knew how to fish for fish. But Jesus said, I want to teach you now to do what you're already doing, and I want you to fish for people. I want to show you what you're already doing is you're, you're already gifted. 
I've already created you with gifts and with passions in your life. And right now where you are, you may have gifts in business. You may have gifts as a, uh, you know, as a mom or as a dad or a brother or a sister or, or a tradesperson or whatever work, line of work, a teacher. There might be some gifts that God's given you. He's saying, whatever you're doing right now, I want you to move towards mission. I'm calling you to, to offer those gifts and to offer that surrendered life. As you move towards God, then you offer that and you say, God, I want to move towards mission. And as he said to these guys, I'm going to teach you how to fish I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. And it's an invitation to God's mission. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, is to go and make disciples. Jesus came and he told his disciples, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth is is given to me, so therefore go then and make disciples. And we know that Jesus also sends us out in that same authority as we move to mission. Are you moving to mission this morning? And if you're moving to mission, you're moving as a disciple. See, a lot of times, and I know what it's like because there's been seasons where I've just kind of attended church. And in my heart, I've kind of really lost that passion about God's mission and being a part of it. But the one thing that I believe will move us to become more passionate and influential as disciples is when we actually begin to participate in the Great Commission in new ways. Because what happens is we catch God's heart. We, we catch what, what he is leading us in and we discover our gifts along the way when we decide, and it's a decision, I'm going to move towards mission in my life. That could be by going on a short-term team. That could be by praying for our missionaries. That could be by giving to missions specifically. That could be in all kinds of areas. That could be by volunteering or your community group, volunteering once a month or serving somewhere in our city. Just getting on mission, getting outside of yourself so you're reaching people. And this makes us come alive. I remember when I was a youth pastor way back in the day, and, and I, uh, I started off with a, a group of teens, and most of these teens were, um, they were church kids, and they were kind of bored. I remember pulling out every trick in the book. I, I played every game. I had bands. I had pizza. I had prize. Every youth pastor has pizza. I mean, whatever you got to do to get the kids there. And, and, you know, it was okay, but they wouldn't worship, and they wouldn't witness, and they just, they just seemed like so bored, just sitting like bumps on a log. We week after week. And so finally somebody says, well, what your youth ministry needs is you need to get them on a missions trip. And so I said, okay, well, let's start planning a missions trip. So I, I planned a, a missions trip to an outreach to um, an aboriginal uh, First Nations community um, that was in, in northern BC, indigenous people, I should say, uh, in northern BC. And so we, we started to uh, rally around that. We're going to go help a local church in that area just to reach out. And so we begin to plan. We begin to, um, uh, you know, train the, the kids. And, we, and they, they would come week after week. And, and even in the training, the kids begin to get excited. They begin to pray. They begin to get more passionate. They begin to tell their friends what they were doing. They begin to come out to car washes. And they begin to get excited. And when we went on this mission, uh, I saw something change in these young people. They came alive. They, they, began, they were up there preaching. They were leading worship. They were witnessing. They were leading people to Christ. They were praying for healing. We had like deliverance services going on. I mean, it was, I was looking at these same young people. I thought just months ago, they were sitting there in the front row, just bored with church and bored with God. And I saw them come alive as their hearts begin to move towards mission. And I want to encourage you this morning that as you're growing as a disciple, that we are moving towards mission. The third question this morning is, am I moving towards love? 
Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And this is so true. As we love each other, this is how the world sees. They see that we are legitimate. They see that we are truly followers of Christ as we truly love each other. Jesus shares this parable about the Good Samaritan, and most of us would be familiar with it, but in this parable of the Good Samaritan, it's interesting because this guy, you know, he's, he's on his way to Jericho, and the robbers find him, and they beat him up, and they leave him half dead at the side of the road. And as he's laying there injured and bleeding at the side of the road, the first person that comes by is like the head pastor. He's like the lead pastor. And so he kind of looks over and he walks by and he sees this guy who's in need and he just keeps on going. He's got the training. He's got the degree. He's got all the, all the discipleship, you know, classes under his belt. He's got all the knowledge. He's memorized the Torah. But as he walks by, he just leaves this person in need. The second person that walked by in this parable was the staff member of the church. And the staff member walks by, and they're not much better because they've been taking the cues from the head guy. And they're like, well, the poor guy is sitting in the ditch. Poor him. But the third person that comes by was the Samaritan. He was the one that was despised. He was the one that nobody thought would have love. And Jesus says, this man, as he took this man, he bandaged him up, he cared for him, he, he paid for a night overnight for him. He said, I'm going to come back and follow up on you. He took care. He was moved by love. Jesus said, this is what it means to follow me. This is what I want you to do. This is, this is the one who loved his neighbor. This is the most important thing, is to love God and to love people. This Samaritan was moving towards discipleship when the religious people were not. Are you moving towards love in your life? What is it about church? What is it about our church community that at times, you know, we, we know that we're to love each other, we know we're to forgive each other, but we struggle so much, don't we, with unforgiveness and offense? We struggle so much because that person said something to me. That person hurt me. That person wounded me. I want to encourage us this morning that they will never know. The world will never look at us and say, oh, they're Christians because they're offended at each other. But when we truly, when we truly choose to love one another, then the world will see that we are truly our followers and disciples of Jesus. Are you moving towards love this morning? Are you choosing to let love be the first thing? Forgiveness be the first thing? You know, there's a guy named John Bevere, you may be familiar, he's an author, and he wrote a book a number of years ago called The Bait of Satan. And it's all about the church, really the bait of Satan being harboring offense in our hearts where we stay offended, we stay ticked off at each other. And the enemy works in that and keeps us from being on mission, keeps us from being disciples, keeps us from the Great Commission. I think if we could just, honestly, if we could just get this one thing figured out, I think we would see such a move of God, such a revival, if we could just quit being mad at each other and just choose forgiveness and just choose to believe the best, and just choose to love each other. If we could get to that place, I believe we would see such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so, First Assembly, this is who we are, and this is where we're going. We will not be offended. We will not be wounded. We will choose to be disciples who are moving towards love constantly. I want us to look at this, First Corinthians 13, and I love the way the Living Bible uh, spells it out here. Let's look at this, and let's just let the Spirit speak to us in this Scripture. Love is very patient and kind. Never jealous or envious. Never boastful or proud. Never haughty or selfish or rude. 
Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges. Look at this. And it hardly even notices when others do wrong. Can we be people that are moving in love today? Can we choose? Love is a choice. Love is not just an emotion or a feeling. You know, sometimes in the world we live in, it's like, do you love them? I don't know. Do I feel like I love them? Listen, love, the love that Jesus had where he went to the cross and died on the cross for your sin and my sin and died and the nails went into his hands and to his feet. It, It wasn't the nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was his love for you and me. And as he died on the cross, it was love that led him. It was a choice. And love is not irritable or touchy. And it hardly ever notices when others do wrong. It's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. What does it look like this morning to move towards love? What does it look like this morning to be a disciple that is moving towards love in your life? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there grace you need to extend? Is there something you just need to let go and give it to God this morning? You know, sometimes we're, we're wounded and we're hurt. We're hurt by other people in the church. We're wounded by different things that take place even in our own families. But in our family, sometimes we have misunderstandings and sometimes we, we, we misunderstand and we get wounded, we get hurt. Did you say that? Did you, you're supposed to do that. Uh, I, an expectation wasn't met. But rather than just staying wounded and hurt, you know what we do? We just rally. We say, okay, let's just come together because the relationship with each other is much more important than the offense that, was, that took place, that happened. And so as a family, as First Assembly, this is who we are. We're always, as disciples of Jesus, we're always, we've made a choice. We're moving towards love. And that means if I have an offense with somebody, I don't just tell 30 people about it. If I'm upset at something, I go to that person. The, the biblical model is if you have something against your brother or your sister, you just go to them and you share your heart with them. And I believe that 99% of offenses and wounds that we carry could be cut off, could be solved, could be handled if we would just choose to humble ourselves and just love one another. And as we move towards love, we become disciples of Jesus. Are you moving this morning? Are you moving? Is, if discipleship is movement, are you moving towards love? Final thought this morning is, am I moving towards biblical community? This past summer in Acts, we looked at how they were devoted. These early believers were devoted and they met together. They met for prayer and around the, the apostles' teaching and, and breaking of bread and, and, and they met regularly. And they were, they were committed to this place of being in community, knowing that God had called them together in community. And I believe that this is a true telltale sign if we are moving in discipleship or away from discipleship. It's so easy for us just to be isolated and to isolate ourselves, but it's community is where we'll find strength. As I mentioned, discipleship is not a class. Discipleship is not a program. Discipleship is not a curriculum. Discipleship is not a process. But discipleship is best experienced in relationship and in community. This is where we will flourish, and this is where we will grow as disciples of Christ.
We're in a series right now, Better Together, and today, as I said at the beginning, we're launching five weeks together in community. We're, we're, we're launching out in, in this place of community because we want to be together in discipleship, growing together. Every day, it says in Acts, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And watch this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Where did this happen? In community. Why did this happen? Because they were moving They were moving in community. They were moving in love. They were moving towards God. They were moving towards mission. They were were going to do the great commission that Jesus called them to. And when we look back, what happened was daily. I want you to get a vision for this. Daily, there were people coming to Christ. Daily, people were being saved. I'm thankful because even over the last few weeks, I've heard testimonies. I've seen hands go up in services. Man, we've had a few dozen maybe people that I know about that have made a commitment or, or they're following Jesus or they're kind of new on a path. And I'm excited about, I'm excited about, you know, the fives and the tens and the dozens. But friends, what would it look like that daily within our communities, we're saying, how many communities do we have? Well, we had all these communities we have right now, uh, over six community groups that are set up for this five weeks in community. And could you imagine that even if out of all those 60 groups, that even over the next few weeks, we just saw one other person, one brand new person be invited and and they're saved and they're cared for and they're coming to Christ. Man, we could see like 60, 120. We could see, we could literally see daily those who are being saved as we do it together. One of the things that we get fearful of sometimes, even in sharing our faith, is we think we have to have all the answers or do it together. But you know what's encouraging? Is we get to be together in community. We are more effective in evangelism together. We're more effective in mission together. We're more effective in living our lives for Jesus together. We're more effective in accountability together. We're more effective in, in missions around the world together. We're, we're, we're just better together. And as we move towards community, we're moving towards discipleship. And I wonder for you this morning what that may look like. I want you to ask yourself this question this morning and just answer it yourself. How can I grow as a disciple of Jesus? Am I moving? You say, well, I'm not moving perfectly. That's okay. See, I'm popping the clutch a lot. That's all right. I've actually pushed reverse by accident and I've gone back and I rammed into something and there, there was an accident. It's okay. Jesus never called you to be a disciple perfectly. He called you to be perfect as he is perfect. And the only way you can do that is by trusting in his grace. He makes you perfect. But the process, friends, even for the early disciples, was far from perfect. And so I want to encourage you this morning. As long as you and me are moving, then we're growing as disciples. And we want to be a people that is committed to moving, moving, and moving. You know, somebody had mentioned to me between services, and and I thought it was so good. Um, Even when our bodies are injured, have you ever been to physiotherapy? What do they always tell you to do when your bodies are stiff or injured? Move it. I, I remember when I had a severe lower back pain for a season in my life. And I went to chiropractor, and I went to the doctor, and he, he just kept telling me, you're going to get better. 
And it was weeks and weeks and months. He says, your back is going to get better, but here's the secret. Just keep moving it. You just got to keep moving. You've got to move it, move it, move it, right? (laughs) That's the secret to discipleship. You've got to move it. And you got to keep moving. And you got to keep moving towards Christ, towards God, towards the Great Commission, towards mission, towards each other, and towards love. And we will be passionate and influential disciples for Jesus. And we'll see people daily added to those who are coming to Christ. And we're going to be on mission together. We're not just about filling up buildings or having crowds. I'm telling you, we are shifting now this vision of our church towards becoming passionate and influential disciples of Jesus. Are you ready? Because God has so much for you, more than head knowledge, but life experience, full of the Spirit, full of the power of the Spirit, on mission, in community, in relationship. And we're going to go there together. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. Thank you, Lord.